Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Ferretti. Welcome to episode two of the Yogaland podcast. So today, my very special guest is Stacy Meyerowitz. Stacy has a dramatic but uplifting story to tell, and somehow she manages to tell it with a sense of humor. Back in 1999, Stacy was a typical 32-year-old, just having a great time living her life in Manhattan. But that life changed when a genetic defect caused a massive brain hemorrhage in the middle of one night. Although her prognosis was good and doctors expected Stacy to recover, she had to go through a lot of trauma to get there. But fortunately, in the process of her recovery, Stacy discovered yoga, and she feels like yoga is really what brought her back to life. She credits it with bringing her out of a depression and with helping her cognitively heal her brain. I love this story, and I know you will too, so let's just jump right in. When did the injury actually happen? The injury, and it's funny because it's not even really technically an injury, and I've never really known exactly what to call it. I mean, it really doesn't matter ultimately, but it's more like a heart attack or a stroke where you wouldn't call those an injury, Mm -hmm. an injury. Is it an incident? Is it, you know, I don't know. It's just whatever. But the brain hemorrhage, which is what I had, was caused by something I was born with, Mm. which I did not know. And the term is AVM. That's like the big, you know, term for arterial venous malformation, Uh arteries and veins malformed, AVM, from birth. And you have like a cluster. I have had a cluster of arteries and veins that were not connected by capillaries. I mean, it's like like science 101. But if you remember, like in bio, like arteries and veins are connected by capillaries. Capillaries are smaller blood vessels. And when the blood is going from artery to vein, or the capillary, since the capillary is smaller, it just slows down because it's a smaller tube. So there was this cluster with no capillaries. So the blood was going too quickly from artery to vein without the smaller sort of channel to slow it down. And I was born with that. And because the blood was going so fast, it just burst. Mm. And you lived with that through your whole childhood, a, young adulthood without with knowing. Born, born with an AVM, never knew I had it. And how old were you when the hemorrhage occurred? When the hemorrhage occurred, I was 32. Wow. Oh and it's not crazy because like, if you say, like, how old were you when you moved to the city? How old were you when you had your first book? I'm like, I don't know how old I was. I can't remember. But like, I have that number so, you know, etched in. I have the same thing because I had breast cancer last year. So yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Not kind of what, thank God you're here. Yes. No, I know. Both of us, right? Yeah. 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 So, so can you take us back to the day kind of the event occurred? Do you remember anything leading up to it? No, I remember nothing. I only know this like as if it's third person, like from stories told to me from my mom and my sister. I do know that it was my nephew's birthday party that day. It was like 99 degrees in the city. It was in July. His birthday party was on the Intrepid. I think he was like four or five years old. And there were like a million screaming kids when it was like a gazillion degrees out with humidity. And you're in like this like metal ship on the East River or the West Side or the Hudson River, the Intrepid. And I was helping my sister wrangle all the kids and went home and just my mom or my sister or whoever called me. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that great? Are you kidding me? It was like misery. It was so hot and all those annoying kids and like (laughs) melting ice cream and like wilted pizza. And no, it wasn't fun. It was the opposite of fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I have a terrible headache and you're annoying me and I have to go and my head is pounding. Oh man. Yeah. That's what people say when they have, um, what's it called? Aneurysms is yeah. that they have like the worst headache of their life. Worst headache. I, ha- I can't think straight. My head hurts so much. I, I, I just am. So did you put yourself to bed? You just went to bed. I went to bed and I don't even remember the call. Not that it matters, but like they said, oh, remember you were complaining about a headache. I'm like, I don't remember it at all. So I went to bed and then I called my sister in the middle of the night. Again, no recollection at all. Wow. Like three o'clock in the morning. And I said, something is, is wrong. I'm throwing up. I can't see. I'm dizzy. I have the shakes. My head, it feels like I got hit in the head with a baseball bat, is what I said to her. That it was like someone slugged me in the back of the head with a metal baseball bat and it was vibe. My whole head was shaking. Oh my God. Thank God you were able to call her. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you've got to come over. I'm going to unlock the door because I don't think I'm going to make it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did yeah. she, and how far away did she live from you? Um, I would say, I mean, I lived downtown. She lived uptown. So we're talking uh, about Manhattan here, right? Yeah, okay. The city. Yeah. We lived in Manhattan 15 minutes, taxi ride, 20 minutes. So she got there and you were out. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah she got. So when she came over, I was passed out. And I was like, it looked like I was trying to take off my pajamas. And I was like, just trying to. I don't even know what I was doing. How long were you out? When did you wake up? I don't even know. A couple of days. You were- no, I was in and out of consciousness. So she came, found me, passed out. And this is like, so my sisters to so my family. Like she didn't call 911, she called my mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, your poor mother. Uh-huh. Um, so she called my mom. I just got here. Stacey's passed out. What should I do? And I said, call 911. <laughs> oh yeah, 911. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, uh, so she called 911 and they took me to the um, hospital. And I think, I don't think my sister realized like it was that bad. It's like a state of shock, like knock on wood again. Like if you are a healthy family, healthy person, right. healthy family, quote unquote normal, like no one's doing anything dangerous or scary or seemingly right. in harm's way. Like everything totally normal. It wasn't some crazy drug trip. It Nothing. wasn't, yeah, exactly. it wasn't like an alcohol binge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, or like anything crazy or like getting mixed up with the wrong people. Like everything is totally normal. Right. So she didn't, it wasn't like in her repertoire of possible scenarios. And you were she, young. Yeah, I was 32. Right. Oh, and then she going, mom, this is again, like, so my family said, call Dr. Rudin, like our doctor, our family physicians in the city. And maybe he knows what it is. It's like, call 911. So she called Rudin. My sister called the doctor and he said, call 911 <laughs> and tell him, the ambulance to go to Lenox Hill Hospital, which is where he works, which is further away from where I live. There's a closer hospital hmm. to where I was living at the time. So just tell them the ambulance will take you to Lenox Hill and I'll meet you there. Got in the ambulance and she said Lenox Hill. And they said, we don't think we have time to go out of the, to that, that hospital. We want to go to St. Vincent's, which is much closer. So she's like, don't have time. Like, I don't understand. Like, I think my sister may have food poisoning. Like, she had no idea what it was. They were able to just recognize from I guess so. seeing you that, that it was more serious. Wow. I think they took my pulse. I have no idea, but they just didn't want to take a chance. That's good. They said to my sister, or my sister said she was saying she had a headache. So I guess they did a scan of my brain, of my head, oh. an MRI or whatever. And, and so then they saw right away. A massive bleed. Okay. A massive bleed. And, we, so we, and they said to my mom and my, and my dad was there. I keep saying my mom and not my dad. No idea what caused this. 
no idea what the result will be, no idea when it's what's going to happen. Um, we have to drill a, a hole in her skull and do what do you call it? A spinal tap and let the there's blood in there. We have to let the blood absorb out and it'll go back into her bloodstream. But we have to drill and put her on like crazy medication. I, I don't even know what it was. Blood thinner, blood thickener, whatever. Mm-hmm. And wait and see. And and so you were sedated for a few days at least. I wasn't even sedated. They huh. couldn't give me anything that would affect my cognitive abilities because they wanted to see where I was, Wow, you know, cognitively speaking. And I was unconscious. I was out of it. I just passed out from the blood, I guess, hmm. from the feed. But they didn't want to give me anything. So when I kind of came to, they could ask me questions. What year is it? Who's the president? What color is the stop sign? What's the opposite of up? And do and you I, remember that at all? I don't remember. I only know this from my mom and my sister and my dad telling me that I did not know the answers. Oh, man. That must have really it, frightened them. It freaked them out. And I didn't even know. They said that I didn't even seem worried or concerned that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That, where do you live? I don't know. I don't know. Where do I live? Like, I don't know. Like, I was sort of ethereal, like just very... Right. You know, it's almost like... I wonder if the body protects itself in some way or the brain protects itself at that point from the stress or something. Yeah, no idea. And that was sort of what was going on for a few days. And then slowly but surely, I guess I have a little bit of a clue, but not a lot. Like it was a really long time. Like I do not, like I I do remember when they would say, who's the president? Uh, Jimmy Carter, like somehow it was in the (laughs) seventies. Oh my gosh. You went back uh, to your childhood. I don't know. I mean, it's so random. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was out of it. And then when the blood all reabsorbed and they could see what had happened, they put a stint in. I couldn't do any exercise. I couldn't do anything to raise my heart rate and increase the blood flow. Um, so I was um, sedentary um, and I gained a lot of weight. Wow. Like 20 pounds. In the hospital? No, not, not only in the hospital. Okay. So I was on the medication and then I could go home to my parents. I couldn't be by myself. Mm-hmm. I had to be watched because the blood vessels were still were open. Um, so I had to wait for the blood to absorb out to see what, the, what they were going to do. So they, that's when I was in the hospital. Then they saw, they, took, they made their plan. There was still swelling. So I had to go home and wait for the swelling to go down. But I had to be with my parents because I was still... I don't even know how to describe it, but just like wackadoodle do. Like I was out of it. Like I had no idea, no idea. And I was out of it. And the way I know is like I was able to live with my parents like for three or four months and not, and it didn't annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> now that is saying something for yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're serious. Um, I'm totally like serious. Like you were just in a pretty kind of mellow state for a while. I was totally, totally mellow, mellow beyond state of bliss. Like I would look out the window and be like, wow, the sky is so blue. Or, oh my God, mom, the salad that you made is just fantastic. Or like those flowers smell. So, like I was like on ecstasy. Like it was a crazy experience. Like, yeah. I was such a joy with everything. And my parents and my sister, my mom, especially, they're like, oh, my God, she is weird. Like, what is going on? Like, we want Stacy back. Like, yeah. this is nice, but it is bizarre. Yeah. And they didn't probably didn't know if you were going to come back. They didn't. They didn't. And the doctor said that I would. Mm-hmm. They were just like, 
We'll wait and see. Do you remember a shift from that state to kind of feeling more impatient with what was happening to you? Yes, I do remember a shift. I, I, there was a time where I wanted to go back to my apartment and go back to the city. And I remember my mom not wanting that. And I was very sort of determined. So I went back to see my cousin lived next door to me. So I think back in my mom, peace of mind, and Jen would like come and check in on me. And I remember being in my apartment and like being very confused and not knowing where I was. And I was actually just having this conversation with a friend of mine whose mom has pretty severe dementia and her mother's calling her like at 630 in the morning every day. And I said, Valerie, when I had the brain hemorrhage, I remember not knowing when it was 630 in the morning, I would call my mother at 630 a.m. and not know if it was a.m. or p.m. Wow. And I said, if you look outside, the skylight is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. The news is on. And I had no idea. Is it a.m. or p.m.? Wow. So I guess I'm wondering in terms of your rehab, mm-hmm. You had so you had the procedure. Right. Okay. So I'm back in the apartment in the city. I had three different procedures. And during the procedures, I'd go back and stay with my parents for a week. And then I'd go back to my apartment. Oh, you and would. Later, I'd go back to my parents for a week. So I had the procedures. I'm back in my apartment now. I went through like a depression of feeling um, confused still, disoriented. I hadn't worked. I had gained a lot of weight. I was very social before this happened and I hadn't done anything, I guess for like six months, let's say. And I didn't miss not doing it, but all of a sudden it hit me. Like I haven't gone out. I haven't gone to the movies. I haven't gone out for dinner. I don't even feel like I ever will again, or I want to. Sounds like having a new baby. I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I felt like that for three years. <laughs> yes, it is very similar. You are anyway. totally disconnected to your former life. Yeah. Once you got to the place where you would go back to your apartment and you were still a little bit confused, did it start to scare you at all? It never scared me, but I definitely went through, I guess, some version of a depression mm. of feeling, like I was saying, like very disconnected, sluggish and overweight, not interested in anything. And that is, quite frankly, I've never done any yoga in my entire life. I had never been to a yoga class. I was not a gymnast or a dancer. There was nothing in my DNA that had any connection to yoga. And it was kind of early in like the kind of current yoga movement that we now, wherever you go, you see a yoga studio. Yeah. This was, you know, again, the brain hemorrhage is 99. Oh, I know. This was after September 11th. When 9-11 happened in 2001, I had just gone back to work like a few weeks before that or a month before that, but it was about two years after my brain hemorrhage, right before 9-11. And I was starting to feel like normal again. Mm-hmm. I'm back at work. I'm back at the job. I'm starting to go out again. And I was in my apartment when 9-11 happened and I didn't, I lived pretty close to the World Trade Center. And I remember I was going in later to work. And I remember when, you know, getting ready for work and like watching the news and like Matt Lauer and Katie Couric were just like a plane just hit the World Trade Center. I said, what? And I remember looking out of my window and I could see all of the taxis had pulled over. I lived on an avenue that went uptown. So they had pulled over and they were all out of their taxi, out of the cars, looking over their shoulders downtown, looking south. Hmm. And I remember thinking, they just said that a plane went to the World Trade Center. I am still in la-la land with my brain hemorrhage because I can't, that doesn't make sense. 
And that was the one time that it didn't have anything to do with your hemorrhage right. that it just right. really didn't make it's sense. Just, and I remember like then the building, I went, got on the subway and I went to work. Oh, wow. And when I got to work, they said the second plane had hit. It was just between my subway ride from my apartment to Midtown. Mm-hmm. So after 9-11, I got lit. So I had gone back to work just briefly and then there were layoffs everywhere. The city was in a, in, in a very tumultuous state. And I remember like, I'm like, I don't want to work. Like, I don't care anymore. Like, this is too weird. And I can't remember anything. And I kept losing things and I couldn't concentrate. And and it didn't, I don't know, it was just very strange. And mm-hmm. I guess it was sometime in 2002, the beginning of the year after 9-11, and I couldn't really work anymore. I just felt like I'm done. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just had this like yearning to go to a yoga class. I just felt like I want balance. Mm-hmm. I want stability. I wanted to be told what to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do it with everyone doing it in order in the same way at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I went to a few different yoga studios. And again, I knew nothing about yoga. Like I didn't know Ashtanga, mm-hmm. Iyengar, Anasara, nothing. Mm-hmm. I just went from studio to studio and didn't like them until I went into an Anasara studio. Mm-hmm. And I remember the mats were all lined up and it was like so much instruction, like second finger parallel to the edge of the mat, you know, corners of the elbow creases facing each other. I mean, total instruction. And I was like, yes, thank you. Just tell me what to do. I don't want to think. I want to be told every step of the way what to do. Right, right. So it was comforting to be for people to talk to you and tell you what to do and for you to yes. be able to respond. Yes, yes. My first yoga teacher, and I remember she said, like, it's about stability, flexibility, and grounding. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, I need those things. Right. I and mean, it's kind of amazing that you were in such a in such a transitional state and yet you still recognize that that was helpful and that that's what you needed. I think because I was in such a transitional state, like I needed to have the stability. And I remember like being in my first warrior two, thinking I could stay here for the rest of my life in this pose and never move again and be very happy. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. It was something about warriors with my arms open. I don't know. It just felt fantastic. Do you ever think back on like that first kind of period of doing yoga and think, I wonder what was happening to my brain at the time. I wonder what was actually firing that was, you know, making things feel so much better. Or did you ever talk to your doctors about it? I did. I did. I had one doctor actually was a nurse, this amazing nurse who was the chief nurse for the surgeon, for the brain surgeon who did my, my procedure and I remember I told her I had I still had to go back for maybe one more procedure or for checkups. They had to sort of I had to get these MRIs just to see that everything was okay. And I said, I've been learning how to breathe different and focus on my breath. And I think I can go into the MRI now with no sedation, no music. I think that the breath will will help me. She said, Absolutely, that's what that's fantastic. Let's give it a shot. That's and great. Remember, yeah, it was great. The MRIs are not not fun. Mm-hmm. And the, the breath, and I remember being in the MRI, being in mountain pose mm. and breathing. Yeah. That's so nice it, that it gave you such like practical techniques. That yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you ever tell her about the yoga? I did. Mm-hmm. I told her about the because I also asked her, like, can I do inversions? Can I do a headstand? Oh, right, said, of course. Um, and she said, you can do everything. You can do whatever. If you feel 
you don't want to do it, then don't, but there's no danger. Like the brain is a very strong organ. Mm -hmm. It's protected by the skull. But to this day, I I get nervous and headstand. I don't blame you. (laughs) I don't blame you. I mean, there are a lot of people who haven't gone through what you've gone through. They get nervous and headstand. You know, it feels vulnerable. Anything, anything on your neck, anything, you know, because it's not just your skull. It's like that really vulnerable. For me, it's only headstand. It's like, I love forearm stand. I love handstand. Uh Uh-huh. Headstand. Yeah. Tripod headstand, I'm okay because I somehow, I don't know, it's just regular headstand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous. So when you first started doing yoga, did you start going like every day or just every day? Maybe two classes a day. And I remember feeling like I had a lot of cognitive deficits and left and right were very confusing. I remember like Omakasana, like I remember being like right arm under left shoulder, like, whoa, man, that is heavy. I can't, I can't feel. <laughs> it's so great that look at you now that you can look back on that and that's not a problem for you anymore. No. no. I mean, the brain is incredibly resilient, isn't it? It is incredible. I, I got to tell you, I really do think that yoga helped me so much because it was practicing right and left, Mm. literally the right and the left focusing on right foot, left foot, right hand, left hand, twist to the right, twist to the left. Like the right and the left was very, very helpful. The counting, even learning like the Sanskrit words and the chanting was so incredibly helpful for, it gave, like those were the first things I could remember after I couldn't remember anything. And when I learned like the Anasara invocation, I was like, I am psyched. I know this. Yeah. I memorized it. Yeah. Or like sun salutations. I remember just being so happy about learning those things. It sounds like it was also empowering. Like, Very empowering. In addition to sort of having this technical level of mm-hmm. helping your brain repeat things and do them mm-hmm. over and over again. And I wonder when you talk about the right and left, I remember when my daughter was a little, little baby, my husband got, he's a yoga teacher and he got really excited when she started crossing her hands, like across her mid, her, the midline of her body. Right. Cause right. he said she's connecting like the right and the left side of her brain when she's, right. he could explain it probably better than I can. But, um, I wonder if it actually helped like with the right and left brain connection for you to right. do all I, of what you were doing. Right. I think it definitely did. It definitely did on so many levels. And again, it's like simple instruction, like right and left and like doing twists when you're like, let's say in a lunge and your right elbow on, over your left knee. Right. I, I cannot tell you what that was like for me. It was so empowering, helpful, healing. And then again, like with the breath. There's something I'm always, I've always been very numerical and there's something about like how long each pose was held for oh. and that there was that component of it. I don't well, know. You knew what to expect. Like you knew there was yeah. a beginning and then there was an end and then there was going to be the next thing and the next thing. You had mentioned that you gained weight. Yes. yes. So did the yoga help with that as well? Yes. 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 And, and it was super empowering. Yeah, it was very empowering and it wasn't even an effort. It was like all of a sudden I was moving and I wanted to put better things in my body to like for my flow, for my chakras, for my everything, for my digestion. I was sleeping better. So it's not just about the weight gain. It's about the digestive tract mm-hmm. and how you feel. And I, I kind of remember this actually in the article from Yoga Journal. I got really into cooking 
which I had never cooked before uh-huh. and really into preparing food and like chopping vegetables was like very therapeutic for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I started to eat healthier because I was cooking and preparing and like picking foods that had pretty colors and fresh ingredients and going to the farmer's market, like things that I had never done before. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you form a community at the studio? Did you did. find friends and did you tell people what you had gone through? I did. I told them. And I had a whole shift. I mean, before that, I had a whole other group of friends. I had a whole other social life. And now all of a sudden I was with yogis. And it's like, go to bed early, wake up early, eat healthy. Um, I went on yoga retreats. I did my teacher training. Um, I had a total transformation. I mean, that's, these are the stories that we used to, to love to hear at Yoga Journal. We used to call them, and this is, we were not being facetious. We used to call them like the yoga saved my life stories yes, because saved my life. They, you know, you just, you hear about it all the time. And I think even for those of us who haven't gone through what you've gone through, like we experienced the same thing on it, all those same shifts and transformations and like feeling empowered and feeling in your body more yeah. and feeling connected. And it's just always amazing to hear people's different individual stories. Yeah. I mean, my sister just started taking, going to yoga. Um, and it's, I love hearing what she says. She's like, I feel so strong. I feel I'm like, yes, that you do, you know? Yeah. I knew I could do that. I, go, I know. Who knew? You just, you just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a system that works if you just it's do it. Are you still doing it? Sounds like you are. I am still practicing. Mm-hmm. I think I will. I mean, it is honestly like one of the most important things in my life. Wow. And it's, but it's not your full-time job. No, 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 no. I, okay. I practice. I don't teach. But I, mm-hmm. um, the last 10 years, I've had lots of ups and downs with work and relationships. And I've moved. I've had financial problems, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like constant has been my yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, always, I, I always like to hear from people who've had a long-term practice who aren't teachers. Because, I mean, I think some people, you know, it's easy to go in and out. And I think it's normal to go in and out of phases of practicing more or less, but Mm -hmm. I do think it's a very flexible system in terms of being able to do it in different ways for different times in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know that when I had my daughter, I wasn't like on my mat for an hour and a half every day at all, but I still felt connected to the practice and I still felt like it helped me. Right. I practice less now because I don't have the time. Everyone says you can make the time. I've never really had a very strong home practice. I've done a little home practice, but I do better in groups. I do better with the discipline of like, it starts at this time. And, and where I live now, there are, I don't live in the city anymore. I live in Sag Harbor, which is out in the Hamptons, which is fantastic. And there's a huge yoga community, but not like New York City, where there are 8 million people. Like there's a huge yoga community for the amount of people who live here, which is like maybe like 10,000 people. Uh-huh, right. So there's still like some fantastic studios and great teachers, but the amount of classes a day sure. here, you know, maybe 10 at four studios. Right. Um, and you have to have the right time and the right teacher or whatever. So I don't practice. I don't go to class as much as I did in the city, but I still go enough. And I have friends that I've met here where I've lived in Sag Harbor now for five years. You know, my group of friends are all people I met through yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, like no matter where you go, you can go to any country with yeah. any language and you go to a yoga class. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. It's so nice. And it's different from what it was when you started. Like you said, it's really grown a lot. It's amazing. It has really grown. Yeah. But the people who I really kind of gravitate towards have been practicing for a long time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, do you ever think about 
what might have happened if you hadn't gone to yoga? I don't think about it, but I'll tell you right now. Now, I don't really think about it, but I think I, I know if I hadn't gone to yoga, I would still be a sloth. I would probably still be like depressed, bored, physically stuck, mentally stuck, Mm -hmm. emotionally stuck. I was just, I don't know, like gunk, stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just got you through a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think about, I was, I've just been reading this book um, by Kelly McGonigal about the upside of stress. And it talks about how, you know, we often think of traumatic events in our lives as toxic and stressful. And like, of course, no one wants to go through a traumatic event. Like I would, if I could take back having been diagnosed with breast cancer, like I would definitely take it back. But she talks about how traumatic events can also help us search for meaning in our lives and, and find more connection. Do you ever think about that, that the ways that maybe you would have been different if you hadn't gone through the whole experience? Yes. I do think about it. Um, and sometimes not, I don't love, I, I sometimes I feel sort of sad mm-hmm. that it made me a heavier person mm-hmm. and I was much more light and breezy. And there's something about light and breezy that ain't so bad. <laughs> but I also, you know, there's nothing wrong with just sort of going, if you don't know, mm-hmm. but I also think as I've gotten older, I've met so many amazing women, late forties, early fifties, and pretty much everyone's gone through something. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think like that quote unquote innocence you know, it doesn't last no matter what. It could be a divorce. It could be cancer. It could be death of a parent. It could be lots of different things, but most people, not everybody have something. That's true. Yeah, no, that's actually a really important thing to remember. I mean, I think we forget that sometimes, like it's just natural as a human to look for the rosy, you know, you want to kind of look for the happy things, but, Mm -hmm. but we all, we all go through things and that's what that's yeah. actually, you know, that's why we need each other. Right. Yes. <clears throat> and I feel like not everyone, but most people have gone through something traumatic, upsetting, difficult that they wish they didn't have to go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so corny, but like I bond with people who have gone through something difficult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, no, there's, it's true. I mean, there's just some um, element of recognition in mm-hmm. another person who's gone through something. Yeah. yeah. It makes you kind of relate to someone else in a more human, more real, like, not, like the opposite of phony. Like it's real, like it's real shit happens, you yeah. know? Yeah. Shit happens. Go to yoga. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I, the, teach, the teachers who I like the most, the teachers who I relate to the most, I remember this early on in my practice because when I first started taking, going to yoga, I don't want to call them my superficial friends because that's like a not nice way of putting it, but I still had my friends who were just sort of in a different place who hadn't yet experienced something Mm -hmm. life-changing. And I remember the yoga teachers that I really gravitated towards had gone through something difficult. And they talked about that on the mat and off the mat. Mm -hmm. And that to me was where my community began. Mm -hmm. That now I'm one of these people who have gone through something and I can relate to people and get strength and wisdom and coping mechanisms through yoga teachers and yoga students who have also experienced something. Yeah, that's actually a really important thing that you just said, because it, to me, it points to, this is something that I feel really strongly about, um, the importance of 
people and especially yoga teachers allowing themselves to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there is just, I don't know if it's pressure on yoga teachers or if it's an ego issue right. or what it is, or if it's like our social media culture, but I just see more and more that there's this like glorification of, of a yoga teacher and that they have a perfect life or a yoga lifestyle or right. a this or a that. And they're always on the beach doing handstands. <laughs> it's like, that's not why most of us need right. yoga. Most of us need yoga to feel more connected. Right. And like the, and like you said, like that you can see other people going through something mm-hmm. and using the tools from yoga mm-hmm. that helps them get through it as well as, as right. all the other things that help right. them get through it. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I feel like you were really lucky that you found teachers that would be open like that yeah. too. It was a lot of, um, work. When I first started practicing, I went, honestly, I would take a dozen classes, more, maybe even more. And I was OCD. I got a little bit of OCD after the brain hemorrhage. And I was like, I am going to take like, I will go to every friggin' studio in the city until I find the one. And That's amazing there, that you knew, like, again, that you had that instinct. I don't even know if it was instinct or again, it was a bit of OCD, hmm. quite frankly, that I was like, I'm going to find this studio. I'm <laughs> going to search it out. It's out there. Yeah. And I knew the ones that I didn't like right away. And I knew why I didn't like them right away. But I don't think I had like the, the vocabulary or the wherewithal to explain it or to even understand it. But I knew I would walk in like, uh-uh, this is not it. Uh-huh. Nope. Wow. And they were like very flowery, very like whatever. It was just not my, not my cup of tea, but you know, with different strokes for different folks, but I knew what I was looking for. And I was looking for something that was like a little bit more raw and teachers who were more vulnerable, who could share experiences that would make the yoga practice have much more relevance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, Did you ever, I sort of asked this question earlier, but in terms of like your long-term checkups with your doctors, did you ever tell them like, this was a big part of my healing. And, you know, maybe this is something <laughs> you should talk about with your patients. Or I anything. did actually, I yeah. did. And it's interesting because they are brain surgeons. Like they are just into doing surgery. Like they're not into this nurse, this one nurse, her name is Mary. I don't remember her last name. She was the one who would listen. And the doctors, like they are just a different breed. And I did volunteer afterwards. I remember I wanted to go to like the brain injury floor of the pediatric brain injury floor and sort of maybe do some work with the kids, the people who were there and to do some yoga and to do some breathing. But it was, it was so intense. Mm -hmm, It was mm -hmm. heavy duty. So yeah, I don't know. I think about yoga, not so much in how it can help people who are going through what I went through. I think of how yoga can help anybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because they, so in the past, I want to say like eight to 10 years, they have the, they've been doing more and more studies where they look at the brains of mindfulness meditators. Right. And I think it's because the mindfulness meditation community is just incredibly organized and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so that they've really mm-hmm. been able to, to have these studies happen, make them happen. So it's like they use functional MRI machines and they actually look at their brains and they're seeing like, you know, increased gray matter, or they're seeing for really long-term meditators that they're having less brain atrophy than the average person. So it just makes me wonder if, if that's being put together for people whose brains have gone through a traumatic event, you know, like it hasn't that I'm aware of. And I haven't even, I mean, again, like in 
sort of selfish way, I guess I haven't thought, how can this help others? Like, yeah, duh, I should think about that. How can this help other? How can this help others? And it is on so many levels. It's cognitive. And I remember the first time I really meditated. I remember the first time I went into that place in Shavasana, like where I was in an altered state. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And if you can teach that to people who are going in MRIs. And when I had surgeries, like, I had to be awake. Wow. Yeah. And they were at, would ask questions and can you raise your right pinky? You know, just like weird stuff. I never really felt like how yoga could be helpful to people who are going through that because, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting, interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you're helping people right now by telling your story. <laughs> so thank you thank you so much for sharing it I mean you're I I've said this to people as I've talked I've literally brought you up over the years to people who you don't even know and said this woman you know wrote me this email I used to get so many emails at yoga journal and it was really hard actually because I didn't often respond to everyone and I remember I responded to you because it was just it's just the kind of story that if you don't hear it directly from the person you you can't even believe right. that it happened. It's just right. a really, really great, uplifting, inspiring story. And, you know, it's just sort of speaks to the power of like the mind body connection and like the power of the human spirit. So, yeah. So thank you. Do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, I guess it's sort of like in summary, like yoga heals. Mm. That's it. Yoga heals. That's great. Hey everyone, it's Andrea again. Before I sign off, I want to thank Ali Ziegler for my logo design. And you can follow her on Instagram at A-L-I-Z-E-I-G-L-E-R. I also want to thank DJ Bhakti Styler for helping me out with the music for this episode. You can listen to his mixes on SoundCloud or check him out live at Aspen Shakti Shala if you ever happen to be in Aspen, Colorado. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to yogalandpodcast.com slash episode two. And finally, if you like the podcast, I'd love it if you could give me a review on iTunes. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Questions in your mind